da ba da bang da bang diggy diggy. My name is Brain! It's Brain, baby! It's Brain Stew! Ba with the ba the bang the bang diggy 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 take a buggy sit up jump the buggy. What's up, creeps? And welcome to Brain Stew. That's what the fuck we are, that's what the fuck we do. I'm all about it, bitch. And this is a summer special kickoff. Brady, thanks for the great idea. Hell fucking yeah. A special retrospective episode on a sequel to one of the greatest movies ever made. No, we're not talking about... We're talking about Jaws 2 tonight, Brady. Don't give me that look. What? Jaws 2, man. Yeah. Sorry, I was still in like a kid rock mode. Listen, you're a bunch of assholes for doing that to me, but... This episode you know. is for uh, the Midnight Glancers and the Topless Dancers. Let's just start off uh, there. I would, what the fuck is a Midnight Glancer? Uh, I would also like to dedicate this episode <laughs> to the Midnight Glancers. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer the Topless Dancers. And I know Brady prefers the strippers with the C-section scars. Amen. Not stars, but scars. I'm still just trying to figure out what a Midnight Glancer is. I can't find anything. Would a C-section star be like a... Like a nipple pasty, but for like to cover up your C-section scar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just never forget taking him to a strip club his first time, and mm-hmm. he seemed pretty, pretty, like he was enjoying it, like having a good, a pretty good time. And and then we left, and I was like, "So, what you think, man?" He's, he's like, "Well, I would have preferred if I couldn't see their C-section scars." And I was <laughs> like, right. "What the fuck, dude?" So let's let's rewind for a second because <laughs> we went, <laughs> we were going to Mahoning, and Justin was like, "Every time we go up there, he's like, oh, you see that billboard?'" Savannah's on Hannah. That's Savannah's on Hannah. We have to go there. I got to buy you a lunch there. I got to buy you a lunch there. I'm sure it's fucking Every time that we would pass, I'd be like, okay, whatever, dude. So finally one day. food's actually pretty good, actually. One day I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. So we stopped and it was like (laughs) one o'clock on a Friday afternoon. They had just opened. We get in there. They're like cleaning the bar. Like nothing's going on. And they all kind of look at us like, oh, I guess we got people. So we sit down. We get a Bud Light. And they're like, all right, the girls will be out in a minute. And this girl comes out and this dude walks in. He was like, I'd say probably what, 40s or 50s? Late 40s, if anything. And he like sits there a little too close to us, but not like close enough, you know? And uh, he starts just like sipping his bud and he's like, man, I am so glad strip clubs are open again. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, oh, okay, cool. And he was like, do you know that they're finally bringing back the pool Fridays, like swimming pool Fridays? And Justin said, what's that? And he was like, they get an inflatable <laughs> an inflatable swimming pool and they put it on the stage and all the girls get in and out of it. I was like, well, that's just good, wholesome family fun. That sounds Listen, very elaborate. I, I almost went there again this last weekend when I was on my way back to New York on the trip that I went on. I saw the biggest billboard for Savannah's on Hannah. It was fucking massive because uh, I went a different route this time. And I thought of you, Brady, hmm. in the C-section scars i mean look it happens it's a body like you know bodies are still beautiful yeah yeah so you shouldn't be so fucking judgmental about a motherfucker (laughs) that's the core all bodies are beautiful brady come on dude Uh, bodies 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 wasn't wasn't my thing you know i accidentally uh speaking of c-section scars my mom had a c-section oh my youngest sister and i was getting into our van one day and i didn't realize how close she was behind me and my foot came up and hit her right in the staples Split her right back open. Well, rough, dude. Yeah, eh, she deserved it. Ugh. Oh, I knew you were gonna say that. Well, <laughs> you know what though? Moving along here <laughs> from C-section scars and stars and what have you, 
motherfucker, Jeremy, it's been like a few weeks since you've been on the show. It has, man. I, What's going on, dude? You've, you've been on some adventures and I, shit. I have been on some adventures, man. I went to uh, to L.A. for Monster Palooza. Got to kick it with my boys, Devin and Aaron from Cavity Colors. Uh, it was great, man. It was my first time going to Monster Palooza. It's a... I've pretty much been to all the big shows in the United States. Uh, Monster Palooza and Spooky Empire in Florida are the two that I had not been to. I still haven't been to Spooky Empire. Would like to at some point. But yeah, I finally uh, checked off the bucket list for Monster Palooza, man. It was great. You know, the way that this show differs from other shows is it's it very much is dedicated to, like, the mask makers and the people that do the visual effects in the movies and people that create all of these beautiful pieces of art or masks or sculptures or, you know, life-size standees. It's it's fucking incredible. Just to go there and see the stuff that is there is just, I mean, you could go there and not meet any celebrities or get any autographs. You could just literally go there to check out the art and walk away super satisfied. Um, I got to meet Steve Wang, which directed one of my... <laughs> I, I, I hear you laughing, Braddy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Listen, Steve Wang, emphasis on the Wang. Uh, he said Wang. He, <laughs> That's dude, cool. he uh, co-directed one of my favorite movies from my childhood, The Giver. So I brought my... Uh, I actually brought two Giver oh. posters with me and... I think he was surprised when I was like, hey, Mr. Wang. No, Brady, not MacGyver. I was going to say, I think it was pronounced the giver, but. <laughs> no, motherfucker. It's got Mark Hamill in it, okay? You don't uh, know. You're too young. You're a baby that? boy. Dude, you've never seen the giver? I have. Oh! I feel like you're, you're fucking with me right Dude, now. Dude, no, it, it's Brady, a real. It, so it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's not ba- good, but it's, it's cool. It's based off of an anime. So what it, so what it was was after uh, the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a like massive success. Uh, New Line Cinema mm-hmm. was like, all right, let's do another one of those. Let's find another property that we can turn into like one of these huge cash cows. So they uh, they got the rights to the uh, the property of uh, the guy uh, the Giver, and they essentially tried to make it like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing. Uh, so there's you know these monsters that are in these latex suits, and you've got this guy uh, this guy that essentially becomes a superhero. Uh, he gets the bio booster armor. Uh, it's awesome, dude. It's it's fucking awesome, dude. Especially. It's got Jeffrey Combs in it, right? It's, uh, uh, he plays Dr. East instead of Herbert Dr. West. He plays Dr. East in the movie. Uh, Linnea Quigley <laughs> is in it. Um, it's got Michael Berryman from The Hills Have Eyes. Like, dude, the cast is yeah. is fantastic. You got to check it out. It's it's great. So anyway, so right. I met Steve Wang. I, you know, had him sign my two Giver things. I think he was surprised. I was like, hey, would you mind signing this? He was like, oh my gosh, the Giver. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, no problem. He was super cool. I met uh, Mark Burnham, who is the new Leatherface from, you know, obviously the most recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which that's right, Brady's he favorite. He was, uh, hmm. dude, he was he was super super cool. Um, uh, Reggie Bannister, dude, surprising to see him. You know, unfortunately, his health is not very good and has not yeah, been very good way. for a while. He was in good spirits, man. I think I think he needed that though. Like I I feel like sometimes even when people are are sick like that. Going to these things and being around people that love and appreciate them, you know, kind of lifts their spirits and makes them feel better, even if for a moment, you know, I, I feel like that's why Sid Haig did conventions for as long as he did, even after he was sick, was because it made him feel good. You know, people were there to show him love and, you know, make him feel good. Um, so, and, and you got to pay for cancer treatment somehow. Oh, 
it's true though yeah i mean, I mean for, for real, for real. I mean, yeah but jesus christ uh so <laughs> sorry so dude reggie banister because he was he was a name that i was like dude i'm just never gonna get him on my wishmaster like it's not gonna happen and i mean he was there he signed my wishmaster it was fucking great um it was a really good time man uh so i'm gonna drop some exclusive news that nobody oh, knows shit. no and way. no news publication has picked up because maybe I was the only person that weekend that he said this to. But Todd Tucker, who was the uh, special effects artist on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, he was at Monster Palooza. He had a really, really rad um, life-size standee of Leatherface from the new film. Um, I'm pretty sure everything was, was screen used that he had set up. And so I got to talking with him. He signed my poster as well. Super, super nice guy. So I said, hey, well, what are you what are you working on next? And he points at Leatherface and he goes, two more of these. No way. Yeah, I said, well, hold up, hold up. No. I said, hold up, hold up, hold up. What? He goes, yeah. He goes, Netflix has greenlit two more Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. We're in production on them right now. Fuck yes, it. dude. Oh my god, that's amazing. Dude, I, I loved, you guys know, you know, we did the episode on it. I fucking love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new one. And I thought it was fantastic. I, I, I'm I fairly certain if they're bringing him back, they're most likely going to bring back David Blue Garcia as well. I would imagine they're going to bring back the whole team because they're going to want to, you know, recreate the lightning in the bottle that the last one was because, dude, it was super watched and super talked about, so... It was huge, man. It was in the top spot there for a couple days on its release. And considering how cheap it was to produce that movie, that's horror gold, man. That's such amazing news. Now, Brady, even though we know that you pee-peed all over that movie when we had Mike from Halloweenies on to talk about it, you have to see the importance of this, that something that is a low-budget horror movie, that kind of died out for a while. I mean, Texas Chainsaw... It, it was going straight to streaming. We see what streaming can do for horror. It oh, did well. Sure. And, yeah, and, this, and, and this just opens the doors for so much more of that. And just because I didn't like the last one doesn't mean that I, I'm not going to look forward to what they can do with the next two movies if they make those. Oh, like, look at you being optimistic and I like the franchise. I like the property there. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff they can do. So, yeah. I'll keep my fingers crossed for it. Any, well, look any, at Jeremy. Like you said, anything you can Man, get for a low, uh, low budget. Yeah, so you, you guys... You guys heard it here first. Two more Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies coming on to, brain to Netflix. Mm. So that was a cool. And then another bomb that dropped at Monster Palooza was Nev confirmed that she was not coming back for Scream Six. I know that you guys did your episode on it and you talked on it and, and all that, but that news broke while I was there at Monster Palooza. Yeah. Yeah. She was telling fans, man, which is crazy. But that's you know then obviously like that was the rumor that day. Uh, I think it was Sunday, and then obviously someone official reached out to her, and she confirmed it. But it was based on fan speculation. Twitter sphere, if you will, film Twitter, the garbage that it is, just wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. Um, and we were part of that conversation. But you know, it's it, this is the kind of world we live in now, where an actor that's part of a huge franchise like Scream will actually be open with her fans, and I appreciate that. That shows a lot of integrity and honesty. You know, she could have lied and, and waited until she found out if they were going to pay her more money or not. But we'll keep the scream stuff yeah, yeah, where yeah, it was last sure. week. But I mean, it's it's again, more craziness in the horror world and um, still something uh, to be talked about again and again. 
It looks like they're filming now in New York City. The film officially is taking place in New York City. Some fans are bitching about that. I say, bring it the fuck on. Screen Ghostface takes Hollywood. Manhattan, man. Let's let's see it. Come on. Uh, why not? <laughs> That's kind of my, so, my exactly, yeah. dude. Exactly. Now, will but, yeah. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie go to New York City? No, take that shit to Detroit or yeah. something, dude. Oh, Jesus. There's nobody there. Um. <laughs> oh, there is. I. I he can kill I'm someone. I'm hearing that this new scream is also taking place on Halloween. That there's been Halloween decorations heard, heard on that set, today, Jeremy. so that's. I heard that. Yeah, some some ghost face Halloween I, decorations. I think it's. I think that's a great idea. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that there's a lot of different story avenues that you you could do with that. So I think that's cool. Just imagine a scene with a bunch of people in ghost face costumes, and you don't know. It's it's just much like the Scream opening two. of Scream Two, yeah. and you don't know which one is actually ghost face. That's fucking awesome. Bring that shit Love back. It. But I'm surprised they haven't done that before. Like have it around Halloween. Like I get you kind of want to stay away from other franchises where it blends, but. That's like perfect at this for point, scenes in there. Dude, at this point, like it you might as well do it, you yeah. know. But but Jeremy, there was before we get to Jaws 2 though, there there's was two more something. Things. There's two more things, real quick. Okay, there's something massive, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I don't know. I'm, what the I'm leading up to either. the massive thing. So another thing that happened that was really rad for me was uh as I've stated literally one thousand times on the show, you guys know how much I love the thing. So one of the actors know. that that has been eluding me all this time that doesn't do very many conventions. He's only done two or three ever. Um, and really has no plans on doing any more at this time is TK Carter. Knowles from The Thing. Um, I have uh, a buddy that lives out in L.A. that knows him and had gotten him to sign some things for him recently. And so I, <laughs> I kept bugging my buddy. I'm like, dude, hit up TK, man. Like, see if he'll link up with me. Like, I'll pay him. Like, I need him on my thing stuff. Would love to meet him. Like, meeting Nalls from the thing is such a big deal to me. Plus, he was on fucking Saved by the Bell. He's on Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Let's go. He was. Let's go. He was, man. funky fucking Brewster. Let's go. So, my buddy, dude, was hitting him up and kind of nothing, you know? Probably busy guy. And out of nowhere, it was... Yeah, it was Saturday, the Saturday of Monster Palooza. All of a sudden, my buddy hits me up and was like, Hey, TK Carter said to meet him at the Denny's at 730. No <laughs> shit. <laughs> at the Denny's? Yeah, at the Denny's, Time bro. At the Grand Slam. So I, uh, I, with my posters in hand, man, I went to Denny's, bro. And all of a sudden, TK pulled up. That motherfucker is as cool as a cucumber, dude. Like. Even just him getting out of the car and walking up to me, I'm like, dude, this guy's just so fucking cool. Like, he just has this aura of coolness about him. He walked over. I take it he was super down to earth. He was so cool, man. He was so cool. He was telling me stories from the set. I mean, he was just completely down to earth and so cool, so funny, man. And he signed my three posters, and I got a picture with him, and it was a really big deal for me, man. I was probably only there for 10 minutes, you know what I mean? But it was 10 minutes of hanging out with him and talking with him and him signing my stuff and then I got a picture with him and it was a it was a big deal for me and then the bigger deal after that the biggest deal the biggest the biggest deal of the biggest the biggest deal of pretty much my entire life is I mean you guys specifically know you know what I do you know that I am super into autograph collecting and I've kind of had this bucket list of people that I I've wanted to meet uh that kind of started when I met Kevin Bacon to where I was like, oh shit, like he's like an A-list star. I can't believe I met him. And then I was like, who else would I like to meet? And <laughs> I've kind of 
been uh, able to, by luck, by chance, by just finding out the right information, I've been able to go one by one and, and meet the people that, you know, I've looked up to my entire life and uh, these actors and people that have made these movies that I, I love more than almost anything. And Kurt Russell was one of the biggest, if not the biggest one, you know, like Stallone and Kurt Russell were like neck and neck for like, I need to meet Tango and Cash, Tango and Cash baby. I need to meet these guys, you know? So I checked Stallone off the list in 2019 and Kurt Russell I met in 2017, but it was so lightning fast that he signed an autograph and he was gone. Like there was no opportunity for a picture, nothing. Um, and uh, a couple months ago, kind of the same situation, you know, I was at an event that Kurt Russell was at and quick signature, kind of gone. You know what I mean? So I I can't disclose details very much. Where'd you meet him, Jeremy? And I can't disclose that stuff. Where'd you meet him? You know, I, come on, we're I, all friends. I here's, here's the deal is being an autographer, there is a code. You know what I mean? Like, and... The code sometimes means that you just can't divulge the information. Like, you just can't. And I was given information about a private event that he was going to be at. Um, and I had the opportunity to attend the event thanks to a friend. And, dude, Kurt Russell was there. I got to talk to him one-on-one -on -one for probably, like, six or seven minutes. Bro, Jeremy, you didn't just talk with him. You fucking drank with him. I I was... <laughs> you drank I did, with him. I did. It was... Dude, it was surreal. And, you know, thankfully, meeting the people that I've met, you know, over the years, it's kind of conditioned me to, like, be able to hold a conversation and not be so starstruck that you're like, I just don't know what to say. So, like, <laughs> it's kind of like... Jesse, you know the feeling, man. It's like being the lead singer of a band. For sure. You know... You've got, you've got the butterflies, butterflies, and then when you step on stage, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to rip it, and you become a completely different person, even though leading exactly. up to that, you were shitting your fucking brains out. Um, that's kind of how it is for me when I meet certain celebrities. Like I, I, I'm like, oh, man, oh, fuck, there they are. That's so insane. You get that little pit in your stomach, and then when it's go time, it's like, cool. I feel I'm not nervous at all. I've got no, no butterflies. So, dude, I held a conversation with him for six or seven minutes, man. I got some incredible pictures with him and dude it was they are incredible oh. i feel like honestly not to not to cut in man it's your story but when you sent it to me i i literally texted brady and, I, and then i showed it to my wife danielle and said this is probably the greatest thing that's ever going to happen to him this picture is literally better than any convention meeting them anywhere else it literally it's just dude he's happy you're happy oh, was, like you're in the moment it was, you know it was it was insane so you know uh my buddy, our buddy, Kellen. Uh, yeah, our boy Kellen, yeah. man. I'm going was to a show with him. Kellen's Petty Talk Show. Oh, you are? Yeah, he's awesome. coming to Boston. We're going to see a concert. Dude, he's, he's coming here. Badass. He's coming here as well. We're going to uh, the Blair Witch filming locations. He's uh, he's fucking jet-setting right now, man. He's bouncing all over the place, living his best life this summer. So, uh, Good for him. He, uh, he better. He's fucking young. Yeah, dude. <laughs> get, it, get it out. So he... Uh, he was able to come with me. I had a I had a friend that was supposed to go to this Kurt Russell thing with me, and last second, uh, other guy wasn't able to make it. And I'm like, all right, you know, Kellen, do you want to go to this thing with me? And dude, it was <laughs> it was literally like five days before the event. He was like, oh fuck, yes, I want to go to that. So like he he went with me, and dude, we just had the best time. And let me tell you what, he'll 
<laughs> he's going to listen to this probably and he's going to fucking laugh. That motherfucker can eat some goddamn desserts. <laughs> well, look at him, man. He's skin and bones. Dude. He looks like he ha- he's he's one of those dudes that has like the highest metabolism oh. ever yeah, and can eat just like, like a, five like ice cream sundaes and not put on I'm a I'm so bone. jealous, yeah. dude. Yeah. I, just I can eat room. just the crust off of a piece of pizza. Just the crust and be like, oh, well, you're what, two pounds. <laughs> Bro, we're old as yeah. fuck, man. Yep. You know, yep. it's different. But yeah, man. dude, Kellen, but. Kellen was there and he was just living his best life as well. Love you, Kellen. Yeah. And I mean, dude, you know, I watched him eat ice cream earlier in the day and then he came back with the biggest plate of goddamn desserts ever at this Kirk <laughs> event. And he was like, you want some? I was like, nah, man, I'm good. And I was like, there's no way he's going to eat all this. And all of a sudden I look over and he was like, fuck, that was good. The plate was empty. My, Jeez. my dude can put him back. Yes. Is he like a nervous eater? Was he just no, like, dude? He was just curtain. He's just he like, was like he was like, donuts? yo, have you had these fucking desserts? They're incredible. <laughs> well, I assume it wherever you were. I don't know where you were. I do know where you were, but I'm not going to say where yeah, you yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the desserts were probably exquisite, right? Uh, dude, they, I mean, they looked really good, but for me, like, I just looked at them and I was like, mm, old man, heartburn. That's not going to end can well. You imagine for me. going up to Kurt Russell. After you had like a powdered donut, and it was just like all over your face. <laughs> so, Kurt, I mean, Mr. Pliskin oh, or Mr. Dude. Burton. Uh. Oh, man. The uh, side story real quick is you said the whole fucking donut. Dude, when I used to run the grocery store, man, I watched this dude like steal a powdered donut and eat it as fast as possible. And then I watched him steal a piece of pizza and eat it as fast as possible. Dude, he looked like a cocaine vampire. He had... Powdered sugar all over his face, but he had fucking marinara sauce in the corners of his mouth, dude. (laughs) Fucking cocaine vampire. I was like, I walked up and I was like, bro, are you going to pay for that stuff? He was like, what? And he literally still had shit in his mouth. He was like, what? I was like, dude, Dude. the shit that you're like down this aisle scarfing down, I didn't eat anything. I was like, come the fuck on, dude. But yeah. Did you boot him the hell out of there? Yeah, and he he worked next door. I was like, dude, do you work at the sports authority next door? Like, all I have to do is, like, <laughs> go over and talk to your boss and be like, oh, he just stole from my store, and then you're fired, you fucking idiot. Pumped but, dude, it, was so, it was so funny that I was like, dude, the fact that he tried to tell me he didn't eat that shit and it was all over him was, like, the best. I'm like, you're you're just a dumb person. What a loser. Yeah, that dickhead that works over at sports authority steals donuts and pizza. Fuck Can you imagine him. getting fired for that? Like, your boss is like... So, uh, I just got off the phone with the guy from Shoppers. <laughs> is there anything you uh, need to tell me? You're just like, no, I think, think I'm good. Just took my break, you know, took a shit. It's like, nothing about a donut or yeah. pizza Pizza. Yeah. in your stomach right now. Uh, so, yeah, end of that story is uh, Kellen likes desserts, and I like Kellen. <laughs> there it is. Wow. Well, there so, it is, ladies fact, and like gentlemen. Desserts. Listen to that story, remember it, soak it in, because it'll never happen to you. I'm just being <laughs> honest with you. You got to be a realist sometimes. You can be an optimist. Maybe you can meet him somewhere, but you're not going to have that same thing happen to you. And I accepted that immediately. And f- for the record, I just want to say on the show, Jeremy, had I been told that there was an opening to go to the event, I would have sold Batman shit, told my wife to fuck herself, and flew out there. But, you know, and your, she's and listening your, And to your wife right would have been like... <laughs> You're not going anywhere. You'd be like, I, I tried my best. We're divorced now. I tried you my can best. Take that ring off. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick promo break. And then when we come back, Jaws 2. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mikey. And this is Maddie. And we are the Alone in the Dark podcast. 
join us on this nostalgic journey through horror where you will find top five themed podcasts and audio commentaries curated for some of your favorite horror films. If you're into celebrating the best films that came out during a certain year, then you'll really dig our class of episodes. We even repurpose lines from your favorite horror movies to create a brand new story for our special In the World of podcasts. We bring you something different each and every episode, so let us be your video store curators. Fun is guaranteed, and there are never any late fees. Remember, you're never really alone in the dark. And we are back with our first ever summer special for Brain <laughs> Stew. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's basically are. what I say when I have an orgasm every single oh day. God. Oh. oh, God. Just imagine a fucking big old great white shark taking a chomp out of my dick. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, imagine that. Look, man, we don't kink shame on here. We've talked about it before. So that's right. No, you like what you like. like sh- do you get like? Uh, do you make Danielle get one of those like sharks that you can put on your hand, like the mouth, and it's like, just like, like a shark flashlight? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Ooh. How did He's you like, know? Take it, Jazzy. But, take but, it, but the teeth, <laughs> the teeth have to be slightly sharp. They really do have to be sharp enough because I like it to be like it's grating, maybe a little bit of a, a peel on the top of the tip. Like the gills. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Some gills. He's, it needs to be lifelike. I need that skin to be like sandpaper. <laughs> you know, you just gave me the best idea. I should tattoo gills on there. That would look fucking awesome. Oh, well, you could also get Danielle <laughs> to get like one of those old school, like where like when, I don't know if you guys were a little old for this, but when I was wow. young, you, oh, had, thanks, like, wow. you could get like the shark fin hands and like the little, uh, the fin on top of your head. You could like swim in your pool and the commercial was them always scaring their sister. You know what you could get is fucked, Brady. How about that? Okay. <laughs> Don't disrespect well, dude, your elders you know, like that, okay? <laughs> the kid that d- does that in the original Jaws, who fakes everybody yeah, out yeah, with yeah. the fake fin, he's now the sheriff of Martha's mm. Vineyard. Mm-hmm. I just saw that in the news. No but ladies shit. and gentlemen, yes, that's yeah, a real. Isn't that thing. crazy how things happen? It's a real thing. Weird. That's that's true. Um, but we're we're talking about Jaws two here. Years ago, um, I did a Jaws locations video on our YouTube channel, and we also did a retrospective on the first film. No, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. The original Jaws is in my top five movies of all time. But Jaws 2 is a movie that I've always felt deserved a discussion. You don't see any other podcasts covering it. You don't see really many people talking about it. And I've always felt it needs to be talked about. I mean, everyone likes to talk about sequels to other horror movies and stuff. And I get it. Jaws is that kind of movie where no one believes any sequel of any kind could ever possibly live up to the original. And that's definitely true. I mean, you could say the same about Halloween, not the same about Friday the 13th because the sequels are better than the original, but there are movies that you can't touch, right? But that doesn't mean that a sequel can't do something different and still keep the same formula and be entertaining and exciting. And that's what we're here to talk about tonight. So Brady, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. B Ratatat. Mm. Could you tell our listeners, if they're uninitiated about Jaws 2, what this movie's all about? Sure. So, Jaws 2 is supposed to take place four years after the original events of the Jaws movie. Amity Island is flourishing still. People are back out in the water. There's a boat craze. Everybody's on fucking boats, which I gotta say, I love boats, so I would have been out there. Um, And Chief Martin Brody is still there. And he's kind of haunted this time around. Like you, can, he. One thing I will say about his performance, and we'll get into some backstory about 
Roy Scheider and, and his we will. <laughs> we will. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I got to say, he did a really good job where he could have phoned this in. And I think that he gave a good performance of showing somebody who, like, has that PTSD from his issues with the shark in the first film. Um, but some things start happening. And he believes a shark is back. And he's trying to convince the town that there's a shark while they're all not believing him and trying to push forward with whatever they're doing. And then at the end, he's got to rescue his kids because they're being fucking dumbasses and go sailing after he told them not to. Which is why you listen to your parents, kids. This episode is all about listening to your elders, listening to your parents. Dude, seriously. Their dad is a police officer. Their dad is a guy that fought like the biggest great white shark in the world and defeated it. You think he'd talk about that shit at dinner or something, or it would like seep into their brain, but they're like, nah, fuck it. We're just going to go sailing anyway. Fuck our dad. Let me, uh, okay, let me ask you this real quick, though, because yes, but on the other side of that coin is logic. If <laughs> the lack somebody thereof. came up to you, Justin, <laughs> and said, hey, my hot ass cousin is coming into town and she wants to go on your boat with you, but your dad's telling you not to take your boat out, what would you have done? You know what I would have done. And that's where a lot of the logic gets thrown out of the window, but it makes sense in this movie because they're teenagers. Um, this movie, ladies and gentlemen, Jaws, the original, was still in movie theaters mm-hmm. when this movie went into pre-production, when Universal Studios literally demanded a sequel on the spot. Spielberg wanted nothing to do with it and said, I'm fucking out of here. And this is at a time when really sequels weren't in vogue at all whatsoever. Planet of the Apes was the only series that was at the beginning of a sequel trend. So Jaws 2 took this shit right at the forefront and ran with it, and or not swam to, with it, if Not you to will. interrupt you too much, but on the fact of Spielberg, like, he's on record with his disdain for sequels at this time. Yeah. Like, what do you call them? Like, stupid mm-hmm. carny tricks? Yeah. Like, he did he, not he like He also them at all. claims that when Universal came to him, because they asked him to direct it, he, they did. he claims yeah. that he never even responded. He was like, this is so silly that it doesn't even warrant response. Well, that's actually not true that he said that, or that's Ben said, because the first director that was on the project and actually started filming the movie, John Hancock, right? That's a guy. He did a lot of TV movies and stuff. He wasn't cut out for the job. When he got dismissed from the project, they did reach out to Spielberg. And apparently I've read a lot of stuff that he actually did debate on coming back just because they challenged him like, well, you know, if you ever challenge Spielberg about anything like, well, you really don't think you can do it. We're not sure if you can do it. If you say that to him, he's going to come in and want to be able to do a sequel and try to do something better than he did in the first movie. But it didn't pan out. And probably well, because he wanted more money, though, too. Something that he recommended and is, is his influence is still in the movie. It's one of the only things from John Hancock that made it into the movie. It's that scene in the harbor at night where the shark fin just comes in. That's true. No characters. Yeah. Nothing's going on. That was all Spielberg. Yeah, I mean, luckily we have most of the production from the first movie still involved with Jaws 2. So for me, at least, much like Halloween 2, it feels like a continuation. It feels like it could be within the same world. You know, it it doesn't stray so far away from the original movie that people aren't familiar with it. It feels like the first movie. And a lot of the way, I mean, we have John Williams back with a brilliant score personally, and I'll go on record and say this. I prefer John Williams' score to Jaws 2 to his score in the original Jaws. I mean, mm. he keeps that iconic bump, 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 bump. But it, it, he adds so many different layers to the music. Obviously, he's progressing as a musician during this period. and He had, he had to start it, doing the music 
um, before he had the finished film. Like, he was yeah. creating music without seeing the visuals in the beginning of it. And I, I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but, you know, when I was looking into this movie, there's a lot of things that, like, could have happened with Jaws 2 and the final product. So even before John Hancock got on board, Arthur Clarke was kind of involved initially and he wanted to do this weird concept about like a giant squid out that's in the Indian true. Ocean that was controlled by yeah and they, they like, talked about doing a period piece as well yeah but it was like so they wanted to either go back into a prequel that showed the USS Indianapolis that Quint talks about in the first one about how they're all getting picked apart by the sharks uh and then when they said no that's not gonna work Arthur Clark was like okay well what if we do like a squid attacking an oil rig in the Indian Ocean and then there was how also the fuck an, you gonna call that Jaws right. though? And then there was also <laughs> an idea that somebody had—I don't know if it was Clark. I was looking into it and I couldn't find anything verified about it. But that he, somebody suggested having a giant shark still in the Indian Ocean, not the Atlantic, that was controlled by some alien <laughs> force. Wow. And eventually they said, wow. "No, we're not gonna do that." And they said, "We want to stick with Amity. We want to stick. That's what the people want. They want Amity Island. They want Brody and his family." And then John Hancock wanted to do a very darker tale. He wanted to show like Amity Island like suffering from economic collapse because of all the shark attacks, which I think would have been fucking great. Like if you show this like town that's just like full of vacant houses and boarded up windows and Chief Brody's still there and he's haunted, but there's there's no money coming to the town. And then yeah, you have this I like that idea. I mean you but you have this company come in and they're like, We gotta start redeveloping it. It gives you a way to further the plot. Yeah, I agree with that. However, and this is why I've gone on record and said this a thousand times and I'll die on this fucking hill. The original Jaws is not a straight horror movie. It has some of the best horror moments and elements of all time. But at its core, there's an adventure aspect to these three men that bond together. It's a character study as well. It's not just a straight horror movie. Yeah. So there's that adventure aspect which needs to remain in the movie. And I feel like there's a lot of fun to be had with those characters. So they want to inject that same feeling into the sequel. And producers David Brown and Richard Zanuck, who did the original Jaws and became wildly rich because of it. I mean, they'd already produced a lot of movies up until that point and made a lot of money. But they're the guys that got this thing off the ground. They're the ones that looked at the original book by Peter Benchley and said, we are doing this as a movie. We don't know how, but we're going to do it. And leading up to this, you know, they were so weary of even touching a sequel to Jaws that in, in fear that someone else would do it in their place, they didn't want anyone else to touch their baby. They said, fuck it, we're going to have to take this on and do this thing. And as you said a few minutes ago, Brady, like, they realized the audience, that's what they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, sequels were a new thing. So if you'd gone so drastically different than the first movie, it would have taken audiences out of that feeling, which... People were still seeing fucking Jaws at the time, but right before Jaws 2 came out. So you don't want to foul the nest, if you will. Mm. You don't want to ruin the product. You know what works, right? It'd be like, I mean, the second Star Wars movie, it's a trilogy, it's different, went darker and deeper. It was better. But this was still the beginning of that concept. So I think it was a smart move to kind of stick with the same, same idea. Like, look, shark comes into town, eats people. There you go. Yeah, the only thing that I would counter that with is that I think that you still, while we still don't fully realize the vision of Hancock because we never got the final product, is that you still could have had a movie that really 
gave you an adventure tale towards the end, much like Jaws did, the original, and then still have a lot of character development within the Brody family that I think they touched on a little bit with what we got in Jaws 2, but they could have done a lot more. Like, there's tons of cut scenes between Marty and Ellen and the kids and even the mayor. There's like a love council. triangle kind of thing. Yeah, know. exactly. That It's like, I wish but that, you know that could what? have we, been we fleshed out, but it's whatever. At the same time, we don't fucking need that in a Jaws movie, especially not. This thing is a lean, mean killing machine, much like the first one. But I've gone on record in saying this as well. Jeremy, I want to hear your thoughts on this as, as well, because you haven't said much on this episode yet. And I know you weren't necessarily had that enthusiastic about watching this one this time around. No. <laughs> but for me, I feel like this is this is a slasher before the slasher was a slasher. I mean, this really is just a bunch of kids on the water doing dumb shit, getting picked off, being put in danger with suspense and tension and some scares and you know it's you know it's to me this thing doesn't ever get looked at that way but i think more people need to look at it that way it's literally just an animal attacks movie that's super well done what's your take man yeah because you haven't watched this movie in 10 years Uh, yeah yeah i mean jaws 2 is absolutely a horror film like there's no if ands or buts about it you know with the original jaws you have that score where they're it's these guys are going off into the ocean and they're going to hunt this shark and it's got this feeling of adventure and excitement and all that. And this film is very much just a traditional horror film for, for the most part. I mean, so much so that what I will say in the positive is that dude, when, when, <laughs> when the shark gets burned, and by the way, does the fucking shark have a name in this one? Like it was Bruce in the first one. It's Brucette. Yeah. Brucette. Uh, yeah, or the luxurious shark. The luxurious shark. Okay. We had the luxurious shark. Well, there it is. The luxurious so, shark. It's funny because I, I named our dog. I remember I had paws. I named him the luxurious shark. <laughs> so, dude, the shark gets burned, right? So it's it's a, it's a sequel, right? Usually with like slasher films, you have the slasher gets introduced and then gets fucked up in the first film, and when 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 the slasher comes back in the second film, it's more fucked up looking, right? Like Jason got more fucked up. As the movies went along, Freddy got fucked up looking. Like, what's cool about this one is that it's like, all right, here's the shark. Let's make it scarier. Let's burn this motherfucker. So you have like almost this like zombie burnt looking shark, which I, dude, I, the shark looks so cool. Um, yeah. When I was a kid, I, I rented these movies so much, like so fucking much. I knew these movies inside and out. And honestly, like, I I loved two and four. Like, those were, like, almost my favorite ones. Like, I don't know, maybe I liked the shark roaring in part four. Um, there There is some, like, really scary imagery in, in uh, Jaws 4 that I, 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 I dig. I still dig a lot. Well, on the the banana boat kill? Dude. Mm, that one's the good. The one, in, uh, dude, in the beginning, was it, uh, was it Sean Brody that gets killed yeah, in, in Jaws 4? Yeah. Dude, when... Sh- Christmas. Yeah, dude, when yeah. in the darkness, like, he's... it's dark you can't see the shark it is a really scary fuck it's scary dude fuck 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 so anyway so dude jaws too like as a kid i i soaked up everything horror that i possibly could like i sought it out tales from the crypt like anything that i could fucking possibly get my hands on that i was like yo this is spooky or scary i want it and like jaws too to me, was super fucking scary because I'm like, oh, cool. Like, in the original Jaws, it's it's some some middle-aged dudes that are chasing after a shark. I could relate right. more. I could relate more to Jaws, too, because I was a kid watching these movies going like, oh, fuck. Like, 
One day I'm going to be a horny teenager wanting yeah, to get or, laid like Or I was the same age as Sean. Sean Brody when I was yeah. watching these movies. So to me it was like, oh, fuck. Like, I, it was easier for me to picture myself in that situation because they had somebody in my age demographic. I loved this movie. And I haven't watched it in 10 years because the last time that I watched it, I was just like, man, this is just absolutely a cash-in where they were like, okay, we have to make a sequel because it made so much money. You got the island. The only cast member that we're bringing back is Chief Brody, which we'll get into Roy Scheider, like you guys said, and his antics and the fact that he didn't want to fucking do this movie at all. Uh, but he had to do this movie and play ball with Universal in order to get out of his contract, out of his two-more-picture deal that he had. So... It's like, all right, you got Amity, you got, you know, uh, Roy Scheider's character, you got Chief Brody, and you've got the shark. All right, let's just throw some kids in there. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's put some kids on the water this time. And essentially, it's it's an like you said, it's an animal attacks movie, but it's so paint by numbers for me. Like, I love all the shark stuff. Looks fucking awesome. All the sequences are awesome. Um. You know, even rewatching it, you know, yesterday for the first time in forever, I was like, fuck, man, these these shark scenes are fantastic. And I feel like when I was a kid watching the first Jaws, I wanted to see the shark more. I wanted more shark. And you get a whole lot dude, of it in this yes. one. Yeah. The, and like on purpose. On purpose. Yep. So like, dude, there's so much shark in this and it's done on purpose. On purpose. Get it? I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, but, it, dude, it looks so great. This is a really well-made movie. Here's my biggest beef and why I haven't watched it in 10 years is I would say in my lifetime I've watched this movie at least 30 to 40 times because I watched the shit out of it when I was a kid. Again, I just watched it yesterday. I can't tell you any character's name in this fucking movie outside of, you know, the Brody family, um, the mayor, you know, you got Jeff, who's the deputy, who was also in the first Jaws, but the kids, this is who I'm talking about, the kids, the other kids, they're written so cardboard, like, so fucking by the books, like, you can't differentiate any of these characters from the other one, like, I, I texted you guys earlier, and you guys, and that's when you guys knew that, that we were, we were going to have differing opinions. <laughs> opinions on this fucking movie. But, dude, like, you've got uh, Keith Gordon from Christine, right? I don't yep. know his fucking character's name. I have no idea. I don't know anything about his character. Okay, well, good for good for you. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about this fucking character other than, okay, he wears a black hat and he he's on a boat. And he's trying to get laid. And he talks I mean, in a British accent. I, I, I see what you're saying, dude. dude. I, and, and I, I let me let me finish this real quick. Let me, let me finish this real quick. I finished. <laughs> no. I finished. I finished the fucking movie, and literally, still, I was like, I don't know any of their names. Still, no idea. This is the 40th time I've watched this movie. I don't know these characters' names. Still, horribly, horribly written, and it's so hard for me to get behind it. Because that give me some some kids that you've developed, right? That you've you've given me the time to get to know them, to relate to them, to like them, to root for them. They're just shark food, man. That's 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 what they I are. We'll see that, and I'll raise you a Tina and Eddie, 
because I think that they are probably the most identifiable of the teenagers in this outside of Mike and Sean Brody. Uh, Andy is like the main leader of the rafts after Mike gets knocked out, which was like, when that happens, I'm like, okay, you're going to take out Mike Brody and he's going to be safe and now all you're worried about is Sean. But like, I mean, I get what you're saying, man. Like, I get that it's a, that it feels that sometimes like the teenagers can all get mangled. Like, I'll admit, towards the end of watching it again this time, there's like two characters. I think it's like uh, Paul and the one girl who's like praying in the boat. And I was like, who the fuck are these people? They've been here the whole time. Well, they're just there for additional suspense in a way because you don't know if they're going to live or die. And to Jeremy's point, I agree with what he's saying in terms of paint by numbers. It's by the book. However, when they made this movie, there was no fucking book. They hadn't done any of these things yet. It wasn't a thing. It's not like they were looking at Giallo movies. Slashers were not a thing yet. The shark. So it's not like they're, they're, they're looking at Friday the 13th or The Burning or Halloween they hadn't seen those. So this is like the beginning of it. So I think they were just trying to do something different. Yes, it is very true. All of the teenage characters are very one note. They're very well performed. Absolutely. The acting is really, really well done. I think they try to make them individual by how they look and how they sound. They are not well developed. There's a reason for that, though, because the majority of the movie, the focus is still on Chief Brody, which I think is the best decision they made because he is still the star of the movie. And this is at a point in time where, you know, if he's the highest paid actor in the movie, he's forced to do the movie. They're going to make the focus on that character because he's the reason people remember the first one. You know, we don't have Richard Dreyfuss back in this one. You know, we hear his name mentioned briefly. Obviously, at this point, he had already done Close Encounters. No fucking way that dude well, was going to come back into a They were working on it at this time, right? That's what I read is that, that well, he, he, Spielberg were behind on Close Encounters. He, they, he had already confirmed because he had bothered Spielberg the minute he <laughs> found out on the plane back from Jaws what his next movie was going to be. He bothered him continuously because Pacino, De Niro, a bunch of other yeah. big names were in the mix for Close Encounters. Mm. And Dreyfus basically campaigned with Spielberg, who was one of his best friends at the time, to do that movie. And thank God he got it because he's yeah. brilliant in that movie. Can you imagine Al Pacino in that? <laughs> no, I, I can't. Honestly, I can't. <laughs> I can't God. imagine. You know, I can't imagine any other actor What's in the, the world making that mashed aliens. potato fucking mountain. I can't. It's just not possible. But- you know, there's an alien ship in the sky. <laughs> there's a fucking alien ship in the sky. Would would not be the classic it is today. Sorry, Al. I love you, but also, Jeremy, you did a you did a little green guys of- walking around, not minding their fucking business. I love it. I would. The only other thing I'll say about the the teenagers, in defense of what Jeremy's saying, is that I think also like if you go behind the scenes, they were talking about how they wanted to make it like the cruising culture, cruising culture, the car cars culture at on the, the boats. Yeah. And I think they did a good job of that, but because of that, they all are cookie cutter at some point. So it's like, it's all just teenagers trying to get laid on boats. That, that's a very fair argument. I think it would have been great to have at least, I mean, even Mike Brody is not that, I mean, he's not written really at all. He's mm-hmm. just written like a teenage kid. They don't give him anything to make him an individual, any different than the rest of the kids. He just wants to go on boats and shit. It's summertime. The only thing that makes him stand apart is that he's Chief Brody's son and he has a younger brother who also, that scene where he's trying to leave and Sean comes out of the room, anybody who's ever 
had a younger sibling can immediately identify with uh, that Oh, scene, yeah, identify with where that. Where he's like, my goal, uh, I just want to punch that kid in the face. I want to be like, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, go back but, to bed. Um, I'll beat your you ass. Know, <laughs> in comparison with the cruising culture, if you will, another movie about it, American Graffiti by none other than George Lucas, he has characters that are memorable in that Richard Dreyfuss is in that as well. Harrison Ford's in that movie. A bunch of people are in that movie. And they make those characters memorable. They're well-written. They're defined. So I cannot disagree with you in terms of that as an argument. But I will say I've watched plenty, plenty. I would probably have to say the majority of slasher movies are literally probably lesser in quality in terms of developing their characters. You might remember their names because they're hotter or more attractive or one of the girls showed their tits. Or there's less but people. Yeah, I mean, or the, because of the kills mm-hmm. as well. You always remember your favorite kills, and that's some of the stuff we're going to get into in a little bit. But, Jeremy, as you said a few moments ago, how great everything looks, that is why this movie to this day is one of my favorite sequels, because they didn't just phone it in in terms of that. They really they knew they were making a sequel to one of the biggest movies ever made, and they tried to one-up themselves in terms of the technical aspects. If we can't do it better than what that movie was, we're going to take that and roll with it, and give it our all. I mean, the cinematography in the movie is absolutely beautiful. Um, for example, the first huge action sequence in the movie it starts as a paraglider scene where you think that the dude's going to fucking get eaten like a shark's going to come out of the water and grab him. And that turns into a great suspense sequence with the skiing, the water skiing, which is so beautifully done and full of tension. And we get that shot of like the camera from under the water. Like nothing had ever been done like that. And they're doing this in the actual ocean. You know, people forget that the first Jaws was the first movie ever to film almost its entire water sequences on the ocean. And this was second to that. I mean, production designer Joe Elves, who actually created the shark for the first movie in terms of the concept art. He was on this movie and said, this movie was harder to do because they were trying to say, well, what better can we do in terms of the action? There are no action sequences in the first movie that are actually on par in terms of having the shark following something. They really just went all the way out and tried to go head over heels over the top. And I mean, you guys, you already touched on it, Jeremy, but that fucking scene with the shark coming out of the water and the chick pouring gas all over the boat, all over shooting a fucking first. flare gun. Well, <laughs> God damn it. I mean, she she's trying, pours it over she's her trying her best, but she's the reason she's dead. I mean, obviously if you're in that situation and you see this giant fucking massive shark coming out of the water and randomly like, I'm going to eat you bitch. Um, <laughs> you don't even know what's going to happen, but um, she pours all that shit, shoots the flare, which is what ends up scarring the shark. Scarface the shark. And um, you see that shark to oblivion. You cockroaches want to play rough. <laughs> okay. God damn it. We should just, we just need to recast fucking Jaws and Jaws 2 and fucking have Al Pacino. I think we're going to need a bigger bottle, okay? Can you imagine him just popping out of the water, <laughs> opening his mouth? Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh. <laughs> you should but, just have uh, Tony Montana in, in, in fucking Jaws. There you go. Uh, so. I love what you said about the action scenes because I completely agree. But one scene that really stands out for me that goes hand in hand with that is the opening sequence with the divers because they knew that they weren't going to be able to capture what the first one did with its iconic first scene, right? With 
the, her skinny dipping, getting killed by the shark, thrashed around. You still don't see it. Like, there's no way to do that again. And I, I, Lightning I, in a bottle. I love that the beginning of the movie starts with some scuba divers that find the boat from the first yes, film. Yes, the dude. orca. Yeah. I, I, I think that's just brilliant. It's like, hey, we're doing a sequel. Here's the fucking boat that we last left in the fucking credits of the last movie. You know, so it's yeah. it's that that was super super smart, man. I I dig that. I liked that a lot. I think, but it just that scene shows like they were like, all right, we can't surprise you again. We can't keep you in the dark about what's going on because you know it's a shark movie. It's fucking Jaws too, so like you know there's a shark. So we're gonna make it as beautiful as possible. We're gonna have John Williams come back with the score. Like I just I think that they it was really one of those situations where they said, hey. We know what's happened before, and that's going to help us make our decisions about how we're going to make this our own movie. Yeah, I mean, so they didn't you, try to say, "Hey, we're going to try to just redo the things that happened in the I, original." I don't. They said, "Let's make it beautiful." I don't hate this movie um, at all. Like, it's not a movie that I'm. I wasn't excited to rewatch it or anything. Don't get me wrong, but I don't hate this movie. There's so much about this movie that I do fucking love. It's just they make the kids almost front and center. And like I said, my, my beef with the kids, uh, characterization for the film is what kind of kills it for me a little bit, but I still love almost all of this movie. Like, mm-hmm. so, so what you love though is to be clear, I just want to make sure I yeah, understand yeah. you love the best parts about this movie. Absolutely. And <laughs> yeah. I like only the good parts, Justin, uh, but no, like I just, <laughs> I, mean, I, I just because I'm saying the be- the good parts are the best parts for sure. So, I for mean, sure, uh, would this the- movie be better for you if Al Pacino was in it? Listen, there's a fucking shark. I just need a gun. I'm gonna shoot the fucking shark. All right, let me pitch. You Can you idea. imagine that scene with Chief Brody? It's he. Ah! He's screaming, shooting <laughs> on the beach in front of fucking hundreds of people. Imagine Al Pacino in that scene. It's that heat, scene's fucking but disturbing. Robert De Niro yeah. is played by the shark, dude. But. Like I said, it it fucking it ruins it for me because they don't develop the characters. You can have mm-hmm. the best action sequences and the badass burnt zombie looking shark. For me, like I love these elements, but it still doesn't fully redeem the luxurious doesn't, shark. Luxurious the luxurious shark. shark. It doesn't redeem the movie from a writing standpoint where they were just like kid number three on boat, kid with black hat. I- you know, well, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. Carl Gottlieb wrote this movie. He wrote the original. Fuck him. So, I mean, I, I feel like I mean, he's a <laughs> legend. That Pacino, fucking guy, I'm Pacino the rest of this podcast. The Jaws log, man. He <laughs> still right. told me to, to send him my Jaws log to get signed. I have a vintage copy of that. And I think I, you know, sorry, Carl, you're old as fuck. I should probably mail it to you tomorrow because you're really old and I want Especially that. Especially the way that you. these fucking people have been could, dropping, could dude. Be dead now. Oh my god! But, um, so with that though, we're talking about characters. Let's just move into Roy Scheider as Chief Brody. Yeah. Oh, beautifully done. Dude, uh, so amazing. Much, which done. is in, yeah. which Probably. is insane because he did not want to make this movie. Yeah. So we've got to touch <laughs> on that first. A lot of problems. Yeah. So apparently, this was the rumor, and I'm sure you guys will touch on this too. The rumor for so many years was that he tried or attempted to or threatened to put himself into a, 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 a psychiatric Hills. hospital yeah. so he didn't have to make Jaws two. Which he was contractually obligated to do because he signed a multi-picture deal. So, with some background on that, for those who don't know, and you guys could correct me on anything I have wrong, but he was originally signed on to be in the Deer Hunter. That's right. Yes. 
like days before they started shooting, he backed out. And because he was in this contract, he was in deep water. <laughs> Get, see what I did there? And, so they, they were able to push him into this, yeah. And they said, all right, look, we know you said you never want to do a shark movie again. You don't want to come back to it. But if you do Jaws 2, you're done with the contract. You don't have to do a third movie. Or technically, two more movies because you dropped out of Deer Hunter. And so he said, fuck it, I'll do it. He also got paid $400,000 for this movie, opposed to the 100000 he got for Jaws 1. So like... I don't understand like why he was complaining about it because you're getting I wonder what that number would be now with inflation. Well, inflation $400,000, I mean, it's got to be close to a million, right? Oh, it'd be more yeah, than be a million. million. Yeah. I, I was be, I went to be, be, high school. Be, I didn't do listen, math. Listen, well. yeah. Dude, I failed math in 10th grade, they never made me take it again. I still graduated, <laughs> I don't know, but it's more than, it's more than a million, it'd be many million. Um I think it's just because going back to it, like we said earlier on in the show, sequels were not a thing, man. I mean, think about it. Star Wars had just come out. It's not like The Empire Strikes Back was a thing yet. I mean, it was Jaws, Star Wars, and then after that, the Planet of the Apes movies were like a one-off thing in terms of sequels. The Pink Panther movies, that's separate, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. but there, there were sequels, but they were usually looked at differently. James Bond, if you will. But in terms of like direct sequels to movies that would come out like the year or two after... You know, maybe I'm not a huge, like, well-versed person in James Bond, but up until, like, the latest series with Daniel Craig, I didn't really see them as sequels. I just thought of them all as, like, different movies with no, the I, same No, I know what you mean. James That's Bond, what I'm saying. Know? Like, the Planet of the Apes movies were similar sometimes, but, I mean, just in terms of, like, having the same brand name in the title, you know? Yeah. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. and all the old ones, you know, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. It's it, it's this is a new thing, and I have to say this now, and I would love to hear people actually comment on this and reply to this. I think we would not have the slasher boom, or the slasher sequel boom in the way that it was done without Jaws two, because this movie banked literally a few years after the original, and it did about forty percent to fifty percent of what the original 40%, did, yep. which was fucking the biggest money-making movie of all time at that point, which I have right. showed... Fi- I yes, have it right you here have it. if you want okay. me to pull it up. Yeah. So the yeah. estimated budget for Jaws 2 was around $20 million, and for the original Jaws, it was about $7 million. So you already got a bigger budget, right? But worldwide, Jaws 2 did 187000 or $187 million, and Jaws, the original, did $471 million. Right, so what this proved to up-and-coming filmmakers and studios was, well, you put a brand out there. Mm-hmm. Everyone already knows about it, right? So you don't have to do that much more marketing. Just put a number on the title and something familiar to them in the trailer, on the poster, and you'll still make money. Yep. And this is, I mean, Jeremy, to your point, that's probably why those some of those characters aren't as well-developed. They probably didn't put as much effort in, but they didn't really know at that point that it was going to be like that. And this is what started the sequel boom in terms of like, you know, just, hey, we'll do the same thing the last movie did. Friday the 13th is a perfect example, right? Because it did a sequel before even Halloween did a sequel to itself. Mm-hmm. You know, fuck it, we'll just do another one. Make it the similar thing, similar concept, just bring different kids in and we'll make money. And that's what really started the slasher boom. I mean, because they were able to keep churning out movies on right. low budgets and keeping the same concept and idea 
I, I agree. Before we move on to anything more, though, I think we still need to talk a little bit about Roy Scheider because, like, him and the director... And look, I know that I fucking messed up Rob Botin. Rob Botin. You're forgiven now. But... You have to be forgiven. How You're do you pronounce young, this director's name? Man. Is it Schwartz? Jeannot Schwartz. Jeannot Schwartz. So him and Scheider were really getting into it. And there was a point in time where... It's funny, man, because, like, Scheider, like, like I said, gives a really good performance... As great, I'd say a great one. I, I would agree. And was still making life hell for everyone behind the scenes. And so they were constantly butting heads. And there's reports that like a producer took them both to the side and was like, you guys just need to air out your grievances. And then Scheider started like trying to get physical with him. Anyways, there's some letters that went back and forth. And Scheider basically said that... <sighs> Working with Schwartz is knowing he will never say he is sorry or ever admitting he overlooks something. Well enough of that shit for me. And then he wanted an apology, and the director came out and said, Time and pressure are part of my reality and priority is something I must deal with. You have been consulted and your suggestions made part of my scenes many times whenever they did not contradict the overall concept of the picture. If you have been offended, I deplore it for no offense was meant. At this point in the game, your feelings or my feelings are immaterial and irrelevant. The picture is all that matters. Sincerely, Shannon. Boom. Boom. Sounds like he knows what the fuck he's talking about. And God damn it, B Ratty. Bravo to you, man. If I had like the fake clapping sound effect right now, I'd be giving it. Because holy shit, dude. You just unearthed something I've only heard about. I've never read that actually myself. And mm-hmm. if I have, I was probably too drunk to remember. So right, 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 seriously, right. and for our listeners, yeah, he's he's digging in there for you. I um, love Jaws too. This um I know, like I talk a lot about how as a kid I couldn't watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah, you I had told me before you were able to watch this one, right? On the Patreon episode we did with Gerald from Two Peas, I talked about how Jaws was something my parents let me watch because, like we've talked about, it's not really a horror movie. So my it's dad, also PG, right? Right. My dad was like, oh, this is something I watched as a kid, so like I'm fine with you watching it. But Jaws 2 was the one that always stuck with me because I, I mean, I, not to get too ahead, but the scene with Eddie and Tina where Eddie gets killed, like that is burned into my memory more than it's a brilliant scene oh man it's so amazing where he's just cling like propelled forward by the shark and clinging to the boat so hard that he pulls the piece of wood off the boat like that is what made me scared to go in the water more than anything else in this series um but jaws 2 is something like justin and i when we when we were talking about like oh if we should do jaws and like you know talking to jeremy being like hey would you be cool with this it's like i was like surprised with how much I remembered of this without having watched it in years. And it's just like, I was pulling up people's names. Like this was the Jaws movie for me. You know, I didn't have blockbuster a lot growing up, but like if I could rent a movie or find a movie, like I wanted Jaws to. So, yeah, that's, that's amazing, man. I mean, and for me, you know, to comment on that, cause that's something we always talk about on this series, this show in terms of brain stew I saw this movie for the first time on the good old USA Network when they used to, during 4th of July weekend, they would show oh, that was one, the best. two, three, four. I fucking loved it, absolutely. But, you know, to move along here, in terms of what Scheider said, him being difficult on set, I think he gives a fantastic, brilliant performance. I Honestly, I, I love the fact that he's so much more psychologically draining. Uh, he, no one believes him, even though they all know he fucking dealt with a shark attack from the first movie and killed like the biggest shark known to man. They think he's obsessed and it drives him even deeper into it. And I, I love that aspect of this movie. It's it's just almost like if you look at Moby Dick, uh, the white whale, you know, <laughs> Dick. It, 
<laughs> I said dick. <laughs> that That's was what cool. I call my dick. Um, but I mean, you know, he's just obsessed. He just and then when he finds out that his the dumbass kids didn't listen to him and went off like again, these kids are stupid. So Jeremy's right. They, <laughs> but kids in these movies have to do dumb things, or we don't get the cool shit. Um, we got to get you just mentioned that attack, Brady, and I have to talk about my favorite, which is absolute nightmare fuel when Sean is in the water and Marge saves him the shot of the shark popping up emerging from the water slowly mouth open and you see it just eat her fucking hole is it's probably better than any other attack or shot in any of the sequels and rivals the first underwater appearance of the shark from the original jaws dude the way it comes out of the water and you see its mouth and then from behind you see it like grab and then twist and then go down, it Dude. looks like a fucking real monster eating something. And the music is perfect here. And then you hear the shrieks. <sighs> Dude, listening to the behind the scenes of everything that they went through with having to like timing for that, because this is what, 79? Is that when this came out? 78? No, 79? it came out 78, yeah. And this, it's like you had to, a diver had to pull Marge down as the shark was yeah this this chomping. took uh, this took all day just to get yeah. that one and shot. they just couldn't yeah. get them to match up but like i think the end result is fantastic it's beautiful i mean dude that's that's the magic of this movie and i think the other one i needed to talk about before we wrap up this and give final thoughts on this is the iconic scene of them pulling mike out of the water it's so impressive mm. and it, it the suspense of that scene with the music, John Williams score is swelling up and building up and building up and they're pulling him into the boat right as the fucking shark mouth wide open swims by and you can see the mouth literally almost touch his leg. Now, yes, I get it. You can see the fucking hydraulics <laughs> in the shark's mouth because it's a mechanical shark. But the fact that it almost nearly took a real chomp out of the actor's leg has always made me fucking wet my pants, man. And I mean, they said I, that when he got in the boat, that he was white as a sheet because he was literally in the mouth of that thing, and yeah, there's no mean, controlling it. You you can only imagine. That's the one thing I always think about with these movies and being an actor. Like these, like the original Jaws is the reason I don't swim in the ocean. Like yep. I'm still scared of swimming because of that movie and the series as a whole. To me, if I was in the water and I, even though I knew that thing was fake, if I just looked at it, I would fucking run out. I, I would not be anywhere near it in the water. Couldn't That's why it. when we went to Universal as a kid and Jaws the Ride, and I now regret this as an adult, I didn't want to go on it. And then my dad's like, no, we're going to go on it. We, we paid to come here. You know, you went on confrontation. We're going to go on that. And we walked over to it. And the Jaws ride was notorious for always closing because it had technical difficulties because <laughs> the shark is not working. <laughs> the shark is not working. And of course, I, I, we walked over to it. The gate said it was closed. And you saw they had lifted him out of the water. And you saw Bruce's head out of the water. And I was terrified. I was like, nope, I'm not even going on that fucking ride. So yeah. even though it's an animatronic shark, I think like these sharks in these movies are scarier than real sharks, man, because yeah. they make them more monstrous and more beefy. Um, but, so... Before we get on to final thoughts, yeah, I want to go around and I want to talk about favorite kills. And I think it's pretty clear what mine is. Eddie is probably my favorite kill because it's so fucking sad. Like this dude is just trying to get laid. Like they're having sex the entire movie. And he's like, oh, let me get you a blanket. He gets knocked out. The actor didn't know how to swim. It's true, yeah. So he was actually really terrified of the water. Which goes into his performance, I think, really well because it's not even just the shark he's afraid of. He's afraid of drowning. Uh, and 
the shark, you know, they, they push him forward. He slams into the side of the boat. Tina's sitting there scared. He crawls up. He's scrambling to get in. He's just holding onto the side so strong that he pulls off a piece of the wood when he gets killed. Like, that's uh, that, just that, terrifying to me. That kill's amazing to me, but even more so her performance. Yeah. It, who played Tina? Let me see. Oh, I, mama. I don't... I don't, dude. Seriously, oh yeah. So Anne Dusenberry played Tina Wilcox, Deuce. and I looked that up on on the I show, so y'all know I didn't know her name. Um, she's Talks great, to Jeremy, for reminding me. And dude, then, the, the way that she's just dealing with it after the fact, and you can see she's so fucking like in the moment, like terrified of this. Yeah, because what do you it, do? You sit there in the boat, and you're like, "Is the shark still here?" Do That's I one of the scariest move? things you'll see in any of these movies. A tiny ass boat like that. Yeah. No, it's a, um, it's a great kill. And then after that, before we move on to Jeremy's, uh, when Brody is on the beach and he sees like the driftwood in the ocean and he's like, oh, what the fuck is that? And he walks out there, wades out there, which one, if I think there's that there's a killer shark out there, I'm not wading waist or chest deep into that ocean for anything. Mm-hmm. I'm probably quitting and saying we're moving like to the Midwest. We're going to Ohio. And he goes out there and he pulls the wood and it's the burnt up, um, the woman driving the boat who fucking pours gasoline all over herself <laughs> and just like that dumb bitch. shoves onto him <laughs> and he falls backwards. Like that's terrifying. Like that has also stuck with me for forever. So, uh, those are my two favorite scenes that, that death kind of counts, but Eddie's is number one. And then that's the second one. What about you, Jeremy? Jer- Jeremy, do you have a favorite kill in the movie? Yeah. Uh, same same one as you, Brady. The the scene with Tina and her boyfriend. What's her boyfriend's character's name? Eddie. Oh, there it is. Uh, dude, absolutely terrifying. I remember seeing that for the first time when I was a kid and being like, "Holy fuck!" It's just, dude, the way that the shark pulls him and is yanking him around. It's just fucking nightmare fuel, man. That's that's definitely my favorite kill in the movie. For the longest time, I thought that actor was the same actor as Peter Brady. So I was like, every time I watched the Brady Bunch, I was like, oh my God. He got, he, he got ate by a shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peter Brady got killed by a shark. What's great about that kill, too, is they employed the same kind of pulley system that they used on the original Jaws, which was a you know, very archaic idea of having someone like with like basically clotheslines under the water with mm-hmm. the first kill and the first Jaws. But they used it to much greater effect with that one because you could see the force and him being pushed towards the boat. It's insane. It's and all practical. I don't know like what you guys have like swam in the ocean or not. Jeremy, I know you went to Destin. Justin, I know that you guys took vacations all the time. You used to Dude, live in I, I've, I've, I mean, like I said earlier, I did a Jaws locations video. I've, I've, I've stuck my legs up to almost my full torso in the waters where they shot Jaws, mm-hmm. and I was too scared to jump off the Jaws bridge. We okay, it was supposed to, to be part of the video. I didn't do it. Danielle yelled at me. We used to vacation in Cape Cod as kids, but like in the off season. So like after Labor Day, when prices like went down, but the water was like 40 degrees. And I remember one year, I I must've been like 15 or 16, but my friend, I was able to bring my friend with us on vacation. And he and I were like, oh, let's swim out to that buoy. Let's just do it. So we swim out there and like looking down is terrifying because we had goggles and everything, but like looking into the ocean while you're swimming and not being able to see much, I was like, shit like you're halfway out there and you're like this is fucked up but swimming back the current is so strong that you have to try like three times as hard just to get back to the shore and there's that moment of panic when you're like holy fuck like if i just stop for like five minutes like i'm going to be further away than i thought i'd be 
like and so when he when Eddie's trying to swim to the boat like I was like fuck that would be terrifying like you know like your girlfriend's screaming at you to be like fucking hurry up Eddie and you're like man I'm going as fast as I can but like the waves are just especially being in the, in the middle of the ocean yep. you don't see any land or anything around you yeah, yeah so great great fucking scene I think that they did everything that they could have with that scene Oh, yeah. Beautifully done. Uh, my favorite kill I already talked about, it's Marge, Marge. being eaten by the shark. Um, Scott face the shack. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, like, it, it pulls her down and that shrieking. And honestly, this shark is an equal opportunity killer. It doesn't give a fuck if you're a girl or you're a boy. Yeah. It's going to grab you, pull you down, and kill you. But I, ha- I have to comment before we get to final thoughts on the helicopter scene, which I wish oh we got to see the, the, the full cut on it. Yeah. And this one jaws eat a helicopter. Uh, you know, it's it's... Very impressive the way they were able to actually use a real helicopter, pull it down to the water, and they had the animatronic shark on this like fucking 15 ton platform jump out of the water and bite the fucking side of it. Originally, it's supposed to pull it down, and mm-hmm. the helicopter pilot is supposed to be eaten underwater. And there are uh, clips of the footage of him. Yep under there but it just didn't seem to work apparently for um for anybody who wonders when i say i went to mennonite school what they look like this helicopter pilot is what a mennonite looks like <laughs> like that full chin beard down like that's exactly what they had every day of high school i saw that so well watch then. jaws 2 to know my history moon mennonite the new uh moon comic mennonite. character <laughs> also never forget that napoleon dynamite's in this fucking movie <laughs> Yeah, and he's going to get laid until that shark comes around. I mean, dude, the kid bitches the entire time that he's in the beginning at that fucking benefit or whatever. Like when they, he's bitching about, I'm never going to get laid. Then he's bitching about, she's too good for me. And Keith Gordon's character is like, yeah, she probably is. Yeah, she is. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this, this fucking kid, man. And he, I wish, I wish we had to see him get fucked, man. That would have been great. I really wanted the mayor's son, Larry Jr. to get killed. I just never liked him. He's like going crazy on the boats because he's like panicking, which he's is a prick, what any dude. of us would do. But he's, he's, a, like, he's, he's, the he's big... like shaking the girl yeah, like to stop yeah. praying. He's like shaking Keith Gordon. I, like, I hate I would have just thrown him over. Mm. I would have said, you know what, dude? <laughs> we're going to. No one, li- we're no one likes you, you anyway, man. Yeah. We're going to use you as shark bait when they go on to that, you know, the fake island that they built just for the movie because obviously they could never use the shark and on the real island. And it fucking floated away in the middle of the it night. It floated away <laughs> in the middle of production. So, but it's a cool sequence. I like the end sequence. I mean,. It's not, nowhere near as good as the original Does ending of the first movie. Does it feel kind of, of anticlimactic a little bit to you guys, the ending? A little like, bit. Like, all of a sudden, it just yeah. kind of fucking ends. Like, that's, Every that's how I that feel. Every time that they're, like, they're rowing, and the true. credits come up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I guess that's the end. Yeah. That's cool. Um, only other scene that I really want to talk about <laughs> real quick is just when Sean is on the boat by himself, and they're trying to throw the rope over, and Andy's like, Sean, Sean, if you don't turn around, I'm going to beat your little ass. <laughs> I'm like, great. Like, you're trying to save this kid, but also telling him you're going to beat his ass. Like, That's fantastic. Well, you know, overall here in this discussion on our Brain Stew Summer Special, I feel like, I mean, Jeremy sounds like he still liked the movie. Yeah, Dude, I, I don't man. hate you, it. You, I don't hate it. I, it's just... It just makes me. Kind of, I kind of wish. I kind of wish you did. It just makes me want to watch this movie. Makes me want to watch the first one. Like that's all that this movie does sense. for me. Yeah. Like I just want to go. I want, dude. When I was twenty minutes into it, I was like, "Fuck! I wish I could just turn this off and watch the first movie." Because to me, they shouldn't have made that's, the sequels. Like I, I, most sequels are inferior and not nece- not necessary. And. I think especially in the Jaws series, like, dude, Steven Spielberg, 
and company knocked it out of the fucking park so hard that doing any kind of follow-up was just almost a disservice. It wasn't necessary. Uh, am I glad that they exist, I guess, you know, for people like you guys that, that, that love the sequels. <laughs> just for your sake. For your sake, I'm, I guess I'm glad that they exist. But for me, it's like, dude, it's okay. Like, we didn't need E.T. too, right? Even though it made a shit ton of money, we didn't need E.T. too. We never got... They did try to make They did try to of make course, E.T. Of course, of course, dude. That's like, who framed Roger Rabbit? Do you need a second one? I know they they, they tried, and they were trying. Uh, for just for 30 Jessica years, Rabbit, they yeah. tried. Yeah. For Jessica Rabbit, I would take as many movies That's as they right. want. Believe me, they've, right. ar- they've already desexualized her at Disney. They've put her in a different outfit or something. So, recently, I mean, so. I, I don't know. Like... <laughs> They're, they're fine. They're entertaining. I loved them when I was a kid. But at the end of the day, when I want to watch a Jaws movie, I just want to watch the first movie. I don't want anything to do with two through four. And when I want to watch a Jaws movie, I put in Jaws 3 fucking yep. D. Yep. Which I'm sure if we can if we can if we can beg Jeremy hard enough, we can continue this summer. Let's special do it, baby. We can do. Gives, gives me right, we got it. We got it. Gives me a reason which, to watch it, man. It's been about <laughs> 10 years since I've seen that one. On, too. And Dennis Quaid. He was on cocaine high every single day of the set. Wouldn't you be? Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, Jeremy's not wrong. He's totally not wrong with this. But he ain't right. But <laughs> I, I still love this movie so, so much. I watch this movie and Jaws 3 and the original Jaws every single year, much like I watch a lot of other movies. There's something about them that definitely just put me in the mood for summer. Um, definitely the first one the most. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But I've just I've always felt that people... Don't look down upon Jaws 2, but don't necessarily look at it or appreciate it. They just kind of overlook it. And I think more people need to take the time. Just look. I mean, when you look at the animal attacks movies that came out after the original Jaws, Grizzly. you've got Piranha, you've got Grizzly. We talked about a lot about those when <laughs> we did our Patreon movies. special. Yep. You know, there's so many of them that rip off Jaws, but none of them really come close to Jaws 2. Because of the fact that there was a good budget, there was a good filmmaker behind the camera, they did great cinematography. One of my favorite things about this movie, as I wrap up, are those first-person shots of the shark going towards boats, which required a cameraman to actually sit on a saddle on the top of the mechanical shark, with literally shooting that way. And it's so inventive and so different from what we saw in the first movie. There's nothing in any of the rip-off movies that comes close. I would say probably minus Joe Dante's Piranha because that movie is just nuts and it's like a $2 budget and they, you know, made puppets of little piranha scary. You know just me. A, I love grizzly movies. I love bear movies. Paddington, bring it on. <laughs> Paddington don't kill no one. You don't know that. We haven't had kissing. we haven't had a Paddington origin. He'd be story. hugging and kissing. All right. Yeah, Paddington origin. But ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Brain stew, bow with the bow, bang the bang, diggy diggy diggy, sup the dick and lick on the pussy. Dang, that's for all bold, for man. all you midnight glancers and you topless and dancers. Yes, you topless dancers, even those of you with those C-section stars, and especially <laughs> you with those C-section stars. We love you all. If you like the show, if you like what you're listening to, it's your first time. Jeremy, tell them where they can find us. So we're on Instagram really? and no, Facebook. Pacino? If you want to follow us, follow me down the cocaine rabbit hole. E.T. I'd fuck him. 
It's so I like E.T. Because he's got a fat ass. God, how are you so good at that? Anyway. And he's, and he's running on like an hour of sleep. Look right. at this guy. He's a fucking champion over here. Um, yeah, you can find us on social media everywhere. <laughs> at Epic Film Guys. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You fucking name it. We're on YouTube too. I never mentioned that, that we're on YouTube. Um... Fuck yeah, we're on YouTube. Uh, we've got a couple new extra... Uh, hold on, I'll type that again. We've got some new patrons to the show, so welcome to the show. And we also have a Patreon, so that means if you join that shit, you get early access to episodes, you get special stuff, as well as special episodes that are only for patrons. So be on the lookout. We have our monster series still occurring right now. Guys, guys it's $1 or- a month. It's one buck. For That's now, it. it is. For now. Until For Justin now. jacks it up to 20. So For get now. in while you can. But I just wanted to take the time to thank each and every one of you. For listening, you mean so much to us. You are the reason why we do what we do. And until next time, I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm Be Ready. And as always, we like to ask you to keep it. <laughs> <laughs>